Yeah, so we're talking Save about me. supernatural <laughs> relationships this morning. Um, and I will tell you, we the faster you listen, the more you amen, the faster we get through this, and then, hey, lunch at the end, right? But no, I, I really am excited about what we're sharing this morning. Um, how many of y'all are in some relationships, not just marital relationships or dating relationships? We all have relationships in general, amen? So what can we do and what does the Lord have in store for us for those relationships to be supernatural, which is his desire as we're going to see in the word. And so um, I do have notes in the notes part of the church app, New Life Church LH. It's in this week notes and on the top says supernatural relationships. Our subtitle, if you're taking notes, is some assembly required. Um, And I do encourage you to take notes because it not only boosts your retention, but it puts an expectation on us that we've got something not in and of our own strength, but that the Lord is saying through us to you that is for today. Amen. So in order for something to be supernatural, we first have to know what supernatural means. Um, And so we have three parts today, but just in order to intro us in, supernatural is something that we need to know what it is so that whenever we're talking about supernatural relationships, we understand what this means. And so Patsy Caminetti, Pastor Steve's sister, one time gave us this definition, I think it was in our women's conference, of what supernatural means. And it's in Italian, not even in the Greek, we're going Italian here, friends. In the in the Italian, it is sopra natural. Can you guys say that? That was kind of hard. Yeah, there we go. And what it means is above the natural. So this is not just like something else that we're attaching to us. Oh, now I've got this supernatural relationship. These relationships are held above what could come our way. It says that, you know, the floods may come, but we're above that. And if we give our relationships the place where they can be above that, then nothing can divide us, right? And so we're going to talk about three forms of relationship today. And the first one is relationships with those above us, supernatural relationships with those who are in authority, those who speak into our lives, those who we give um, our attention to, our ear to. And we need to know how we can put a draw on these relationships so that they're not just natural relationships, but they're truly God-ordained relationships. Amen? So... Let's go ahead and go to Matthew 4, 19. And a lot of times we, um, we talk about honor, right? And honor is something that we can talk about often, but if we're not understanding what honor truly is, then we can say that we're honoring somebody, but our actions will say differently. And so a lot of times what we're giving is maybe respect, and respect we can give with words, but honoring will cost you something. Can I give an example to that? Yes. So I had a, a, a teacher one time I got in a class, and I was taught to speak very formally to teachers, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and, uh, and speak very politely. And I had this one teacher that I did not do very well in her class. And she had to pull me aside a lot to to uh, reprimand me because I wasn't doing very well in the class, which wasn't a good representation of who I was. And so she would take me aside and she would and she'd be like, you need to make sure you're getting this done. You need to do this. And I would say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And at one point, she, at first, the first day in class, she was like, I love that. You say, yes, ma'am. And then um, by the time this was happening, she sat me down and she said, you know, it means nothing when you say yes, ma'am, when you're not actually doing what I'm telling you to do. And 
that's that's where the honor part comes in. The honor part has to cost something. The honor I wasn't taking the time to honor the yes, ma'am, to honor the yes to what she was saying, and I wasn't actually taking time out of my own life to sacrifice that so that it actually meant something to her. Yeah. So. And so honoring actually puts a draw on that person. And it's kind of like what I said, the, the more that we have an expectation of that person, as long as that person has communicated their expectation of what they can give you. We talked about this in youth on Wednesday. We talked about discipleship. And I gave the example, nobody in here can go around saying, Lindsay is going to go mow my lawn. She is the kindest person She's going to come on my lawn. She's going to trim it up real nice. She's going to cut it down real short. Because She's never done our lawn. I've never done our lawn. No once. When we were Ever. first getting married, when, or when we were first talking, excuse me, she was like, I love mowing lawns. And I worked for a lawn business in high school. I took over a lawn business in high school. So I mowed lawns all through high school. And I was like, I don't want to mow any more lawns. And, but I was like, but I obviously will need to at some point. And then my wife was like, I love mowing the lawn. Well, it turns out she lived on acreage and it was a riding lawn mower. And she like, so it's totally different thing. Totally different. So, anyway. so if I've never communicated that you can expect me at your house tomorrow at 7 a.m. to mow your lawn, you have no right to go around telling everybody that I'm super great because what's going to happen is not only am I not going to meet your expectation, but you're actually going and telling, you're giving false witness of what I can provide for you. And so in this mode of discipleship, Jesus gives us a really good idea of what this honoring looks like. Whenever we've placed ourselves under somebody, it's putting a draw on them, but what is it putting a draw on them for? And Matthew 4.19 shows us. It says, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk and I will make you fishers of men. And so what we see here is Jesus had several realms of relationship, even within his ministry. He had crowds of people who would come and listen to his messages. He had the 12 who followed him day by day, and they were learning the unforced rhythms of grace from him, right? They were learning that he was a real person. He went to weddings. He enjoyed conversation with people. He loved bread just as much as everybody else. And then, then there was the three, right? There was Peter, James, and John. And Peter, James, and John were his closest three. He, he asked them to pray with him. He, he said, I need you to stay up with me. He, he asked more of them, but their expectation on him could also be greater because they honored the position that he had drawn them in. And so within church atmosphere, we see this within pastors, within leaders, that as we're following the same path, as we're doing our chapter a day, as we're praying, as we're creating this um, rhythm of what God can look like in our life, then we are made into what Christ has made for us to be. Amen. And so this does not happen by just us sitting here on a Sunday morning and writing down the good quotable lines that somebody says. This is truly taking on, he says, as my disciples, as your master and teacher, but also walking the same path of life that I walk. And that is how we are then changed into being made fishers of men. There's also uh, the reverse of that is when we're honoring others. It actually, it says to honor, give double honor to those who are teaching the word. It says to honor his disciples. It's, you know, anybody who gives a, a, even so, so much as a cup of water. And then it says, it actually says to honor everyone, 
right? Um, but what we're doing when we're honoring people is we're is kind of the reverse of that is we're actually seeing the potential of Jesus on the inside of them. So sometimes we can look down on people who aren't saved or people who don't teach the way we like them to teach or people who, uh, disciples we don't think that are discipling well enough and we can look at them and look at them any as anything other than Jesus. But if God sees us as Jesus when we're redeemed, then we need to have the same, you know, we sing songs like break, uh, break my heart for what breaks yours. You know, give me the eyes to see the way that you see. Well, God sees people through the lens of Jesus, right? So we need to see people through the lens of Jesus. So that means that there's gonna be this great honor, this almost washing of, of the feet of the people that we're serving and, um, and that draws the Jesus out of them. The, it might be... D- dug really, really deep. There's some people that this is going to be harder for than others, um, and we don't judge them for that. We, we just know that, there's, that Jesus is on the inside of them, and we have to draw that out of them through honor. So. so another really good example of this is Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote many letters to not only churches, but also people. And so what we see um, is 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 and 2, and he said to them, follow, or as you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings that I passed on to you. So this sounds more like than just coming on a Sunday morning, right? This is thinking about him. This is this is listening throughout the week, uh, um, attending to the words that they've been taught. And then he would go and he, it wasn't that he forgot about them. He was making mention of them in his prayers. This was this a relationship, amen? And so this is how some people can sit in a message sit in a service and they can get some really good head knowledge and how other people walk away with life-changing revelation. This is how some people have gone to church for 35 years and have never accepted Jesus as their Lord, just as their savior, right? This is how we see people all the time who are maybe older, but are not looking like the picture of Jesus, like Hunter was saying. They're, they're still on this road because they're getting information, amen? And so I sent this meme to our youth kids, and a lot of times what we picture is like, Paul is imitating Christ, and then we're imitating Paul, and we're like this watered-down version, right? You have like Aslan is like God, right? And then you have a stuffed animal lion as Paul, and then we're just this drawing of a lion, you know what I mean? myself one of them was like uh, uh the real spider-man like the like the toby Maguire spider-man and then it was like paul was like the cartoon spider-man and then us was like a derpy spider-man that was like drawn with like a brown paper bag over his face and that that's kind of realistic there with it we we think that we are just um placating the seats sometimes we're like oh yeah i'm still growing i'm still on my way but if there's truly this revelation of discipleship and honoring the positions above us we will be like christ amen and so we're we're we shouldn't just be content with where we're at we're continually growing on the inside to look like a full picture of jesus amen and jesus one of the one of the first things he he did once he had his super natural relationships around him the people that he had uh what did he do he washed people's feet right he washed people's feet if jesus can lower himself to this place of honoring others and submitting to supernatural relationships uh then we should too right i mean that was considered the lowest of the low in the old testament they uh there were people who would serve the priests and and uh what was it john john said i don't even i shouldn't even be 
uh, able to, to lace up his sandals, right? Um, the, one, the one that comes, right? And then ironically, Jesus is the one who unlaced people's sandals and washed their feet because even, even the servants of these priests were, were not asked to unlace their sandals or lace up their sandals because that was considered such a low thing because it was so filthy. Um, and so then Jesus comes in and he says, not only am I gonna, un- I'm the one who, it, uh, J- John wasn't fit to unlace my sandals, but I'm gonna unlace your sandals and I'm gonna wash your feet. He took it a whole step further. And so that's how, that, well, can we have that heart as we're going in this with the supernatural relationship? Uh, can we have that heart uh, that Jesus had to serve others? Well, and there are qualities in our pastors and, and those around us, which is who we're gonna get to next. But um, if you think about Elisha and Elijah, he asked for this mantle, he asked for a double portion, right? But how wrong would it have been for him to ask for a double portion and never spend any time with him? He, was, he had to be right there when he went up to heaven in order to get that double portion. And so that, that calls for us to come together more often than what we think. This is an honoring with our time, with our abilities, with, um, with our words. These, these are, this is more than just sitting, you know? He, yeah, he served, he served Elijah on a whole other level. And actually, if you read uh, going up to when Elijah asked for Elisha for that double portion anointing, I, I was just reading it yesterday. And it's kind of funny, especially in some translations, because he's, he's realizing that that's the day that Elijah is, is going to be taken away. And, and so he, he's like, it's like he's seeking out Elijah, Elisha is seeking out Elijah. And what's funny is like over and over again, these people keep stopping him and saying, do you realize today is the day? And he's like, be quiet, leave me alone. And it almost kind of like when I was reading it again, I never interpreted it this way, but it's almost like, like, why did they show that? And it kind of almost makes it seem like he was like seeking him out so that he could get near him for that final double portion anointing so that he could get close to him and, and receive from him directly. Because it's like, it's almost like all these people are standing in the, in the way of him and he's like, get out of the way. I'm trying to get to him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get near the person God has, has placed me under so that I can receive from him and receive that double portion anointing. And we were just talking about it yesterday. It's funny how, how realistic that double portion was because uh, there are 14 recorded miracles in the Bible that Elijah did, and there are 28 that Elisha did. Isn't that cool? It's, it's very literal. Sometimes we take double portion and we think more but double portion literally means double portion. Isn't that cool? I mean, and what, what, so get near the people that you believe have an anointing. Uh, get near the people that you believe have the things that God wants for you. Here's the thing is I don't, um, there are people I've seen worship and I'm like, man, I, w- I want to be near them. I want to learn what they've learned. I want to get near that anointing. And, and God has placed me in these places where people I've looked up to as a, as a child, I, I'm now getting to worship with occasionally. And it's so cool because I get to pull from them. I get to be near them. I get to see how they worship. I get to see what their heart is. And, and then some things are caught when we actually worship together. And um, so th- there's things, there's calls on your life, there's giftings on your life that a specific person, and I believe there's a reason you've been drawn to this church. I, I believe there's a reason y'all have been drawn to this place and drawn to our pastors. It's because there's a place for you here and there's a, a covenant relationship. And we'll, we'll elaborate on that some more, but there's a covenant 
there that that uh, that God puts a premium on. Um, so we'll we'll elaborate more. And Buddy talks about this. The, yes, our Buddy. He he. One time we had dinner and he was talking about how you should have mentors who are one step ahead of you in life. I'm sure that's where you were thinking. And then you know people speaking into your life where you would like to be going, the direction of life that you're on. You need people speaking to you, but then you also need people around you, and you also need people maybe a step behind you. And so our second supernatural relationship is those around us, if you're taking notes. So number one is those above us. Number two is those around us. And um, this is truly ecclesiology. Can you guys say ecclesiology? ecclesiology? Ecclesiology. So ecclesiology is the study of the church and supernatural relationships. So whenever we see in the Bible, ecclesia, that's the assembling together, right? That is us coming together as a body of believers. But what we see here is that those around us that we're choosing to speak into our life, to be around, it's very, very important. And so we see, Pastor Mark always talks about your four crazy friends, and this is truly what I want to where I see us focusing today. Pastor Mark is my uncle. You'll hear references to him occasionally. Quite Pastor Mark Hankins. Yeah, Pastor Mark Hankins. And so he <laughs> talked about who knows the story of the four friends who lowered the uh, paralytic down through the roof. We're going to see it in a couple different places in the Gospels. Um, so let's go ahead and turn to Luke 5, 17 through 19. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So it goes on later to say that, you know, he had he had told him to get up, take his mat and walk, right? But in order for him to get to the place where Jesus could heal him, he needed four people that he could call on. And so, so often we have lots of Facebook friends, we have lots of acquaintances, people through different seasons of our lives. But if you really were to stop and think, and we had a conversation with um, Hunter's brother-in-law, Luke, we were talking about these crazy friends. Like, what would that, what would that mean? Who, who would be, what are the prerequisites for being one of my crazy friends? Do they know you're, they're, you're their crazy friend? Or do yeah. you, have you told them that you, they're your crazy friend? Daniel, you're my crazy friend, you know. But we talked about these crazy friends because they needed somebody who was not only there saying, praying emoji, hands, praying, you know, like and, or like a like on Facebook and a heart. No, he needed somebody to do action. He needed somebody who could physically be there and physically do the part that he could not at the time. And so we're... Um, they didn't give up, too. I, no. I mean, it was, a, it was a, a troubling circumstance. And again, we see this drawing nearer, needing to be near uh, the anointing. But also, these guys, I mean, they fought for it. They dug these roofs. And I think sometimes we see it as, like, there's just some straw and hay on there. But they would, like, dig it up with... It says they dug out a hole. Um, they got up on this roof with this guy, and they dug out a hole. How many people do you know that would actually do that for you legitimately? Um, fight around a crowd, climb up on a roof, propel you up onto the roof, and then dig up a hole and then drop you down to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's crazy. 
That's crazy. That's why it's for crazy friends, people who will do anything for you. And that's why uh, it's so important that we have what we have, the ecclesiology, the gathering. And so a lot of people have um, a problem with their soteriology. Soteriology is the study of doctrine, of faith. So people might have a problem with healing or a problem with all these other things or they're not understanding truly, but it's because they're having a problem with ecclesiology. They're not coming together as a body of believers. They're not in the place where they can have those supernatural relationships that will get them there when they cannot do it in and of their own strength. There have been people that I've called that I've said, I don't know how else to pray, and I need somebody else to pray with me. That's what it talks about, our building each other up in our most holy faith. And so that's what we're going to see in this, um, in the Can gospel. Can I call somebody up for that, too? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want to give examples, because I believe we have some of this here in, at New Life Church. And I, I believe Melanie is one of those people. Uh, she's she's our lead uh, of the prayer team. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been, like, in a low point in my life, or, or something's going on, and I don't tell anybody. I'm not wearing it on my face and Melanie will come up and be like hey something's up what what's the matter are you okay I've been praying for you and she'll speak some life into my into my life into my spirit and it's like man I've I've needed Melanie so much in my life um, there's been some times where I've I've just absolutely needed her support and so it's important that you have people like that well and I to be honest there's probably some of us here who say I do not have four crazy friends. And if not, that is okay. We're going to talk about that. But in order to expect anything out of a friendship, you also need to be able to first give that, right? You're sowing into these relationships, and we know that it reaps a better reward. And so these relationships, like we talked about with honor, they will cost you something. There are people that I make it a point to call them every single month, and it has cost me time from other things because I'm on the phone, but I'm sowing into this relationship. I'm seeing how they need prayer. I'm asking for them to pray with me. And I know that there will be a time when I might get a call that I'm not expecting, but it's because I've sown into that relationship that we are we are those four crazy friends for each other. And some people, it's okay to have a crazy friend in one area of life. And we talked about this with, with Luke. Like there are some people that I know at a drop of a hat, I could not call and say, I need you to wire me some money. I'm at 10 cents in my bank account. You know, that that's okay. But you might also have some friends who can do that and some friends who are there praying for you no matter what. Because we have we have different realms of, of our lives. Amen. So in that moment, he didn't need somebody to just be praying for him on the side. He needed somebody who could take action. Uh, right? Example, uh, the, the people, the guys who helped lower him, the paralytic man down to Jesus didn't have the faith to heal him like Jesus healed him but they had the faith to get him there, to bring him there. That's important to note. So that they had faith for something. They, they, there was an importance there that they had. So Yeah, so let's go ahead and turn to Mark 2 because it, it says it perfectly. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported there that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing... Um, to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let him down on a bed, which the paralytic lay. But verse five is what I wanted to pay attention to. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, or he said to the paralytics, 
son, your sins are forgiven. And so he saw their faith. I don't need 200 people praying with me, but I do need the people who Jesus is seeing their faith and Jesus is seeing them filling me with word when I'm you know, discouraged, the ones who don't give up on me when in the natural, it doesn't look like it's gonna take place. I need the people instead to say, hey, we are with you. We've seen God in this way. We've seen God in this way and he will do it again. Uh, like my, my granddad, my granddad is a, is a missionary um, and he, he uh, was in, I believe it was in Nepal, um, but he was, he was in another country um, and he went about ministering to people in, in, in a country where there's a lot of witch doctors and a lot of placing curses on people and things like that. And, uh, and somebody, he went in trying to preach somewhere and some witch doctors got together and they decided to place a curse on him. Well, my granddad heard about it and and he, he may have taken it seriously. He might be watching right now. He probably could make a correction to this. But you're reading his memoirs right now, so you probably know a little bit better than me. But he, he maybe didn't necessarily cast down those curses the way that he, he might not have taken it very seriously. Um, and before he could even leave and take off and go back home, he started getting deathly sick uh, to the point where his mind wasn't even functioning anymore. Um, and he still to this day says, I'm so glad that people had faith for me when I couldn't have faith for myself. And so that's, that's just like what happened with this paralytic man. It's like almost exactly is, is there were so many people that my granddad lifted up. And here's the thing is he didn't ever do it thinking that, man, someday somebody's going to pray and I'm going to need prayer from somebody. But he just served. Um, and, and, you know, it says that when we honor others, God honors us. Um, the honor will come, and and one of the one, I just a little seed I want to sow here is sometimes you can honor others and it doesn't feel like it's being reciprocated. That's one of the hardest parts about what we're talking about right now is I can't tell you how many relationships I've sown into, and I've and I've I've really tried to give people my all, give them my time, give them whatever I could have, and and then I never hear from them again, you know, and that's that's so disappointing, but. What I do believe is that that was seed sown, and I believe God honors me for doing that. And that's the most important honor we can receive is honor from God. So, Yeah, so there, you know, and there is a flip side to this too where um, we've had people who say, hey, I can't continue to pray, not because it's not scriptural, but hey, you know, I can't stand with you in this area. And that's totally okay. You, you, want to, you want to be able to identify who those people are because the more that you, he didn't call, it, notice the word doesn't say that he asked for, but only three came because his expectation was, he, he knew who to call on, right? And those four people were ready um, to be able to to do that. These are, these are covenant relationships. And so um, this is, you know, I, we were in prayer one time and Melanie was talking about how these are, I don't know, it was a while ago. She was talking about how e this is eternity in the making, right? I'm going to be neighbors with Casey someday. And I, I've gr I grew up in a small town, like very small town. And you never saw people really being like rude to each other because you know for the next 55 years you are going to have to go to the grocery store on Sunday afternoon and see that person face to face. So here's the thing is we are doing eternity together. So there is this aspect of we are sowing into an eternal relationship if we will take it as a covenant. It's one barber in town and if you make her mad, you're getting bad haircuts for life. life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... One, one, one egg producer, you're going to get salmonella for life. 
Um, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, so. So covenant relationships, um, you know, this is, we don't, we don't really use the word covenant as often in these terms. Whenever we talk about covenant, a lot of times people will think about marriage, right? Um, you have a marriage contract, you are, you're together for life, hopefully, you know, if you're sewing into, you know, all those things. Well, so relating it to a promise, a covenant, covenant, you know, when it comes down to it is a promise. Um, and when God makes promises, they're eternal, right? They never change. They never will. And, and we don't expect them to, right? Because he has literally identified himself with his word. And he says that if I don't change, my word doesn't change. So when we make a promise, when we tell somebody, hey, you're, I know, it sounds silly because we kind of throw it out there when we're little kids, like, you're my best friend, you know? And it's like, mm, all they did was give you one of their chicken nuggets at lunch. Um, but what it is, is a promise. Uh, it's a covenant is a promise. And so what the problem is, we've belittled what promise means. We've belittled what covenant means. And uh, so much to where, unfortunately, in the church, uh, divorce isn't any less prevalent than it is in the world right now. Um, and so... What, what Pastor Lindsay is talking about is we can't have something established in life when we keep breaking off covenants, when we keep breaking off promises, when we keep breaking off, because if you look in the word where, where there's blessing, there's a covenant. And talking about soteriology, soteriology, salvation starts with what? Making Jesus our Lord. We receive it by faith and make, we make Jesus our Lord. What is lordship? It's a relationship. Lordship is a, is a kind of relationship. It's a servant and Lord, right? So we submit ourselves into a relationship with God. And what's so cool about it is we're under a blood covenant. We're under a greater covenant. We're under a greater promise. But Paul talks about it. We receive the Abrahamic covenant through faith in the blood covenant. And what the with the blood covenant and the Abrahamic covenant, there's so much promise. There's so much promise of blessing. There's so much promise of, of provision. And so what we don't even understand is as we're going on and we're doing this whole discipleship thing and we're cutting off relationships, we're cutting off all of these, these covenants, we're cutting off our blessing and we're not able to do, do the things God has called us to do. Um, there are things that we're supposed to receive through other people that, are going to come through honor. And what do I mean by that? I mean, there are, there are words in due season that Melanie has given me, that Annette has given me, that people in this church have given me at the right time and the right moment that have been the encouragement that I needed, that if I was dishonorable to them, I would not have received. And God isn't always going to come to you with a thus saith the Lord with a big booming voice that's audible. He's going to speak it through supernatural relationships. And so if we cut off relationship, we're cutting off the blessing over and over again. And then we wonder why. We wonder why, uh, you know, we're not having peace in our homes. We're, we're wondering why we're not having blessing in our finances. We're, we're wondering. And then, but it's all attached to a covenant, right? It's all attached. Abraham stepped up with a promise as well when that covenant was made. Abraham stepped up to a set of, of, of sacrifice, sacrifice in times, finances, whatever it was. He stepped up in that as well. That was a double-sided covenant, right? And so we get so excited about uh, receiving salvation. We're like, okay, this is a free gift. Yes, but the promises come with humbling ourselves and honoring 
the covenant. So that's out of Genesis 17, if you want reference. Um, Genesis uh, 17, verses 1 through 8, you know, Abraham was, Abram at this point, he was 99 years old. And with this covenant, they, they made a physical covenant. They cut the sacrifice down the middle. And they were saying, everything that is mine is yours, and everything that is yours is mine. And this does not stop when I stop. This goes for generation to generation. That's Romans 4. But what we see is that at the end, what happened is that Abram was transformed into Abraham. Through that covenant, he was made into something supernatural that without that covenant, he could not have been. And so what will happen is, um, Pastor Mark gave an example um, about how one time he was trying to hear from the Lord. And he was like, why can't I hear God speaking? And, you know, he's like, God, I know you're there. You know, I haven't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And God told him, he was like, you need to apologize to your wife. It's this covenant relationship that you have that you have not honored sufficiently. And the moment that he apologized to his wife, he started to hear God speak again. And so there, there's, there will be words in due season through other people, but also the reception of God for ourselves cannot be done if we are not living a life of love. And love does not cut somebody off the second that we stop hearing from them. Love does not, does not think the worst if we get a text message that maybe misreads a little bit wrong. Uh, uh, and to go along with that, Jesus said the one thing that will cut off my promises to you, the one thing that will cut off the faith that you have is unforgiveness. Jesus said that. And and tying in with all of this, uh, the root of all, all of these disconnected covenants and, and things like that is usually offense. Um, and that's why you have to cut off offense at the at the root. I, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but a great book is called The Bait of Satan uh, by John Bevere. Um, but what we're talking about, if we put importance on the supernatural relationships, then we'll want to cut off offense because offense is the direct uh, uh, enemy to what we're talking about right now. Um, so if you want to, if you want to cut off this 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 line of cutting off blood covenants and covenants r- relationships, then cut off offense. Um, but that's just a side note. That's a whole other sermon for another day. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we think, and and I'll re- I will relate it to marriage. A lot of times we think of marriage as a covenant, right? It's for life. Um, but you sign a contract, and a lot of times a contract is what I get out of something, right? It's if I sign on the dotted line, I reap these blessings or these curses are kept from me. And what instead a covenant is, is what I can put into this relationship, where I'm putting something into the pot and we are reaping the blessing together. And so um, there, in order to have this supernatural relationship, in order to have a supernatural relationship, we can't have that without a supernatural relationship with the one who created us. And that's our third point um, today is that our supernatural relationship has to start with God. And um, Hunter talked about it before, but, um, you know, this is making Jesus Lord of our life. When you're in a covenant relationship and I ask something of you, you, you do it not, not begrudgingly, but you do it because I have a position in your life, right? Um, and 
soteriology comes from ecclesiology. Yes. You know, we always say that we're, we're born now, we're, we're reborn into the kingdom, right? You're reborn into the kingdom because you submitted yourself to his lordship. So soteriology, you have salvation through submitting to his lordship, which is ecclesiology. You're entered into the kingdom. You're entered into the church. You're entered into his lordship, right? So you actually don't really necessarily have soteriology, salvation, without relationship without that that ecclesiology. So. And it will be a byproduct of it as well. And so, um, a sobering thought, but out of Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, um, we'll go there, and, and we've talked about this in youth a couple times, but um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23, and then I will tell them plainly. He's not doing this maliciously. He's not doing this to dig at you, but it, it is a fact. I never knew you. And so there, there have been many people, and I'm not saying it's anybody in this room, but I do want to make an opportunity today that if you have made him your savior, if, you'd say, if you've said, ticket to heaven, but you have yet to make him Lord of your life, then there's an opportunity for us to take hold of today, not just so that we can get these supernatural relationships, but this supernatural relationship, out of it will flow every other relationship that we have. You cannot have a successful marriage without walking in love um, with the kind of love that God gives. You cannot have an amazing friendship or, or a mentorship without this understanding that God first saw you this way. Does that make sense? And so... Um, out of this supernatural relationship, God, God, hold, God holds us up in this place where no matter what comes at us, what, has, what unites us has to be greater than what divides us. And that has to be Jesus. And that, can, that has no bearing on socioeconomic backgrounds or political leanings or the color of our skin or what football team we like, right? Go this, Broncos. Go Broncos. <laughs> so here's the thing is that what is uniting us it has to be so much greater and not Jesus has to be the main thing but it will the only threefold cord yes it, and that's the only thing that cannot be broken yeah uh no just honestly uh you know this this is such an important thing that um you know Jesus gave his blood for covenant Jesus we're talking about giving up sacrifice Jesus gave up his own blood blood to make a covenant with us um, and man, our, you know, uh, some of y'all just have, have been going through partnership class and, and, and you might not even realize it, but partnership in a way is a covenant. It's, it's a, it's a promise to say, Hey, we're jumping in, we're doing this kingdom business together. And it's so exciting to see you all be part of that, uh, be part of these supernatural relationships. I look forward to getting y'all know, to know y'all more and more as we go, uh, and partner together and, and the mission and the call, what we're doing. But, um, yeah, it's so important. I don't think you understand how much it builds up our pastors, encourages our pastors when you enter into supernatural relationship, when you enter into to, uh, this kingdom covenant with them. Um, and uh, and like Lindsay, Pastor Lindsay was saying, um, you know, I believe everybody in, in this room is saved. Um, but it's so important that we don't just say uh, that we believe by faith that Jesus came into our heart. Um, that's not actually entirely scriptural, 
Um, and we use it a lot, especially in the early 2000s. It was, a, it was a popular thing. You just repeat after me. If I can get you to say these words, you're going to heaven. These magic words, I'm going to get these, you know, I'm going to get a room full of children to repeat after me. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing because in the moment they are wanting to submit to it. But it's actually a life thing. And we, we don't actually prepare them for it. Uh, it's kind of like signing so, somebody up for the military. Like if I, if I can get him to write down his name and sign his name on this paper, he's, he's, a, he's stuck with us for four years at least, you know. Um, although some recruiters might operate that way, um, they'd be severely letting the soldier down, right? And what we're talking about is actually something even bigger than the military, uh, much bigger than the military. No offense to any veterans or anything. Um, we're talking about signing somebody up for their eternity, and so we have to put a premium on, on what this means and what supernatural relationship with God really means. Uh, but there's also so much benefit and promise to it. Um, so I want to encourage you all with that. As you're sacrificing, there's a double portion anointing that you get to receive. There's these things that um, we're not just talking about things that are going to stink because people are going to hurt you and, and you're going to leave yourself vulnerable all the time. Um, but also there are relationships like relationships with my wife. Um, you know, the way I connected with my wife was through somebody who uh, wasn't my wife, but I was friends with them, and then we connected with each other. You know what I mean? They weren't somebody I was going to spend my life with, but they were somebody who would connect me with my wife. They were a vessel, and, um, and that was important. So you don't know who you're honoring who could be connecting you to the, the person you need to be with for the rest of your life. You don't you know who you're honoring that could lead you to the promises that you've been praying for. There's so many things that y'all have been praying for, and if you would honor a certain relationship, they'd be unlocked through that person. Um, first are those relationships above us, the ones that we hold in high honor, the ones that we're sowing into, and we're putting a draw on them, and then out of that, we're being changed into who Christ sees us as, right? Who God sees us as. And then number two is those four crazy friends the people around us. And so we try to give our youth an action step. Um, and so I, I do want to challenge you guys this week. Um, invite somebody out to coffee sometimes. And not, that's not just for women. Guys can go to coffee too. Guys can go get some food. Just put something out there. Pull in the relationships that you would like to see. There are qualities in each one of you that are amazing, that if we'll just link up, that if we'll spend time with one another. And here's the thing is I have spent time with Casey. And yeah, I mean, we also talked about how good the church is, but I learned so much about Casey through those couple of hours that we were spending together. And so what you're going to find is the more that you sow into those relationships, you're going to get things that you know, you wouldn't have otherwise been able to understand and impart and be able to receive without those relationships outside of church. So this is this is more than just coming to small groups. This is more than just coming to a Wednesday night service. This is truly doing life together. We are walking together in newness of life. Amen. And so identify those four crazy friends. If you have one, let them know, hey, you are my crazy friend. I I will call on you, but you can also call on me. If, if there's something that you need, if there's something, some way that I can be praying with you, please let me know because I want to be that friend for you because I see you in that position in my life where we are in a covenant relationship together. Anything that I have, if you need it, you ask. Amen. And then third is that relationship with Jesus. And so...